This episode is brought to you by PitchDMM, the football fan app that gives fans a voice and allows you to rate your team, the players, and pick your formation and your squad in real time, every game, and compete with your mates. Have fun whilst generating a voice that will be listened to. Your club, your voice, be heard. Get it now on Google Play and download it on the Apple App Store. You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe, your football link to the European Super Leagues. Welcome to the Kings of Europe, everyone. I'm your host, Pretty Smith. Uh, we are here tonight with you again after two awesome Champions League legs. And uh, it could not have been a more exciting Tuesday and Wednesday of the semifinals. Uh, we're here to talk everything European football with you and, you know, just what's going on in Serie A. Absolutely the most exciting European league by far. And... To my virtual right, I guess you could say to my virtual right, I have my, I would say he's my kind of adopted little brother, uh, maybe uh, a brother from another mother. It's uh, Aiden. Aiden is a uh, tactical, he's, he's a tactical genius, I think. Guy's got his, uh, knows, knows what he's talking about when it comes to football. But anyways, he's a uh, intern for Bristol Rovers. And as well, he's a former writer uh, for BundesligaFanatic.com as well as the Yellow Pod. Aiden, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. How are you? Doing quite well, my friend. To my virtual left, I have Stan. Stan is a member of the Fields of Anfield Road podcast, of which Kings of Europe is a member of Fields of Anfield Road. Stan has his own website, which he will, uh, of course, plug at the end of the show. And uh, Stan, how are we feeling tonight? Are you drinking anything? That's the question. Uh, well, I'm not drinking. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Critty, thank you for having me. I am not as high key as I was last week. Um, but a little bit more urban tonight, if you will. Uh, got a little four loco and some high life. So, uh, let's go. Awesome on the, uh, four loco, by the way, that's, uh, something that I think uh, we would drink maybe in our early college days. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Never grow old. Never grow old. <laughs> And to my virtual center, I have uh, our dear friend uh, from also of the Fields of Anfield Road. We are actually quite Liverpool heavy tonight. We're, we're actually very Liverpool heavy, very Dortmund heavy, and thanks to me, very Inter heavy. Um, I have Alex joining us for the first time on the Kings of Europe, and I'm very excited to have him. Uh, Alex, how are you doing tonight, sir? How are things in Boston? Yeah, things are heating up finally in Boston. Um, certainly heating up this week. On Tuesday night. Um, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Critty. 
Um, yeah, big Liverpool fan. Came over from the UK a year ago uh, with work. So I'm um, glad to be here. Finally found a really good, decent Liverpool supporters bar. So I'll be there for this foreseeable. Glad to be here. Yeah, Alex has been sending us these uh, 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 photos and uh, videos from, what is it, the Phoenix Landing? Is that it in Boston? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, quite That's a, a quite point. a rock crowd. All right, well... We are going to jump right into it. We had a, a little match yesterday at Anfield Road. Um, Liverpool uh, was hosting uh, AS Roma, and uh, in I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this off of my chest and kind of give my views on it. And I'm going to turn uh, to you guys to give your views on what you thought happened. And I'm going to start uh, after I'm done. Alex, Aiden, and then Stan will go in that order. Um, so in my opinion, what I saw yesterday was I think it was the um, from the tenth, from the tenth minute to the eightieth minute, was the best managed match of Jurgen Klopp's career. I think it was an act, actual tactical uh, masterpiece. I think that uh, a couple of things that Roma did uh, kind of woke Liverpool up, and I think that uh, what Liverpool did between those seventy minutes, uh, even shortly after Salah was subbed off, which I think was obviously we'll look in hindsight as as kind of a mistake, but. Uh, they just they just broke Roma's spirit. It was uh, an overwhelming performance uh, by the front three, and of course, Mohamed Salah is just he he he's he's almost beyond Ballon d'Or. He's 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 on a different level. He I, I you know I, I obviously Cristiano Ronaldo is a Champions League uh, superhero, but in the in the league when it comes to um, scoring goals against your peers, if you will, in your domestic competition. Mohamed Salah is on, he's on a different level. He's, he's up there with the best of the best. And I don't think that we will see anything like this again. I mean, he scored 43 goals in 46 matches. That is un, excuse my language, fucking believable. He is just absolutely out of his mind. Um, so I thought it was, uh, an excellent, uh, an excellent match from a Liverpool perspective. Uh, Roma did a couple of things there from, you know, obviously 80th minute to the 90th minute. There were a couple of moments where Karius was challenged, obviously uh, early in the match, uh, hitting the uh, crossbar off of his save. Uh, it was a very uh, panicky moment, I will say. Uh, made me a little bit nervous. Uh, but but what I saw, and I hate to, I hate to, you know, because the guy's been playing so well lately is Dejan Lovren, and he just made a couple of errors at the end of the match, especially in those last 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, miscommunications with Trent Alexander-Arnold and a couple of things, you know, the, the missed header that uh, Jekko got, which actually resulted in the 5-1. to A um, little bit disappointed in his performance. It's one game. It's one match. I'm not going to hold it against him. Lovren has been a massive improvement since uh, Virgil van Dijk's arrival. So I'm not going to hate on the guy. Everyone, you know, Alexander-Arnold had a horrible match against Manchester United, came back against Manchester City in the Champions League and was phenomenal. So everyone gets a bad day at the office I have them. You have them. We all have them. Uh, so it's just it's just part of the game. But I, I definitely want to see some improvements out of him at the Stadio Olimpico in the second leg. My ba- main beef tonight is with uh, some Liverpool supporters, and um, I think it's the minority of people. I don't think it's the majority of people by any means. Uh, but this this pessimistic attitude of well, they scored two goals on us. That, that's ridiculous. Uh, and Stan, I'm going to call you out here for just a second. You'd said that um, you'd rather have the score of 2-0 and that be the end result, which we were up 2-0 at halftime. 5-2 is better than 2-0, and I'll tell you why. Because 
if Liverpool scores one goal in Roma, but Roma scores three goals, it's 3-3, and Roma go through an aggregate because of the two goals they scored at Anfield. I would much rather have a 5-2 advantage, which is essentially the same thing as Barca had, 4-1, going back to Stadio Olimpico. Let's take a couple things into account, though. Uh, Roma's own goals against Barcelona in that first leg. Barcelona were not as impressive as that 4-1 looked on paper. you got to remember, of the five goals, Roma actually scored three of the five, two in their own net and one in Barca's net. Um, you know, Roma hasn't lost at home in the Champions League, but LFC hasn't lost at home in the Champions League or away in the Champions League. They haven't lost in the Champions League at all. I have full confidence, and it's time to start for everyone to, to start having confidence that this is Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. This is not Brendan Rodgers. This is not Roy Hodgson. It's not Rafa Benitez. This is, this is Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. And so far in European competitions, going back to the uh, Europa League in 2016, minus the final against Sevilla, Jurgen Klopp has shown me absolutely nothing to make me doubt him. Absolutely nothing. So until Jurgen Klopp gives me a reason to doubt him, and this goes back to Borussia Dortmund. This goes back to his fantastic 2012-2013 run with Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. He lost the final in the 89th minute to an Aryan Robin goal against Bayern Munich. Okay. So that Bayern Munich side lost two games in the Bundesliga all season. Fantastic side. No shame in losing to Bayern Munich in 2013. Uh, so I, I believe that we just all need to be a little bit more optimistic. Look at the bright side. We're up five, two. And in all honesty, we've already researched this. I think between the four of us, we came to the conclusion that Jurgen Klopp has indeed never had a three goal advantage going into a second leg of a European competition and blown that lead. And if anyone thinks that Liverpool aren't going to score one goal in Roma, then I don't think they know too much about this because Roma's got to play open. they got to come at Liverpool. They have to score three goals to advance. Liverpool doesn't have to score anything. So it's Roma's game. they got to come at Liverpool. When Liverpool does that or gets that, that kind of approach, as we saw with Man City, that front three will eat you alive. That's the end of story, boys. So... I'm booking my ticket to Kiev. I know you three are going to book your ticket to Kiev. Alex, tell me your thoughts on the match, my friend. Go ahead. Okay. Um, great points, by the way. <laughs> Trying to keep up. So, <laughs> well, the first 15, 20 minutes, you know, um, looking back in hindsight, it was, it was amazing because what you saw really was the, the tactical awareness that not the club had, but the players had in that first 15, 20 minutes to rejig themselves around, talk to each other, suss the opponent out, obviously not concede, which is the most important thing, and then a switch hit, and then you just saw a battering and an unleashing those magnificent trio. It was mm-hmm. nothing short of incredible to watch. And I've never seen such dynamism and with so much speed as I saw yesterday, it blew my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you know, teams like Madrid, Bayern Munich, I saw the game tonight. We'll touch on it later, I know. I won't discuss it, but you just do not see that type of di- speed and dynamism. Um, I, was, I was a bit gutted for Mane. Um, he, he, first of all, he will be kicking himself after that few chances he missed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so glad he got that goal. Um, I did call it, I said he would get the third goal and hopefully the fourth. 
I'm glad he did that. But um, that was just a springboard for, yeah, the most incredible attacking 40, 50 minutes I've seen us play this season without a shadow. And Firmino, I think he was almost man of the match. Uh-huh. His, for his genius movement, awareness, and just beautiful passing. The weight of his pass for Salah's goal was exceptional. The, the timing that he has when playing with that football is it's like it's glue to him. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible to watch. And I was nothing short of mesmerised by that performance. And I don't think they scored two goals. I think we gave them two goals. Agreed. Um, it was a shame. It just took a bit. You know, we've got, I know we've got some work to do, just a bit. And, you know, one of the things is that the players, the, the next game next Wednesday is probably going to be the most pressure they've ever felt. That That's going to be a cauldron next Wednesday. There's no doubt about it. Um, but absolutely, I've got no no issue seeing us sailing through. And we will well, definitely sail through. We've got nothing to worry about, Absolutely. Just one goal, and we definitely will score. So what if they haven't conceded all season in the Champions League? They've not faced an attacking trio that I don't think it's ever been an attacking trio as as sharp as ours and deadly ever, almost. I know it's a big comment, but tell me who's better. I totally agree with you. Um Anyway, that's my little um, spiel on on yesterday's game. Um, incredible to watch. Funny, funny enough, and I agree with all your points there, and I love the optimism. Uh, before I get to Aiden, I would like to point out that Barcelona's tactics in the second leg against Roma, they actually went with a more defensive-minded uh, setup. So they did not go on the offensive. Suarez and Messi were not nearly as attacking as one might have thought. I think they went to that game thinking that 4-1 was enough to do it. Liverpool, if they're if the aggregate is 0-0, 2-0, 4-4, they are just going to attack. They're never going to stop attacking. So it doesn't matter. Jurgen Klopp's not going to line up and play a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 or anything that has to do. He's going to be a 4-3-3, and he's going to come at you. And that's the best form of defense. And we've proven that time and time again. I mean, that ca- that Carrius, though, I mean, I just wanted to make a point about Carrius. Huh. I saw the game today, or most of the game today, and there was a shot by Ribery against, and Navas made a really, really intelligent save. We got down on the left, and he thought Ribery might go that way, even though he went to go the other way. Huh. I was thinking, if Carrius was there and he tried to do that, I think there would have been a goal. I just don't. I don't see he has that intelligence yet. As a, but you hopefully learn. But I'm really. I was really happy for him to make a, a really amazing save at the first shot. Mm-hmm. I mean that that ball had a second wind mid-flight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from nowhere. But um, yeah, sorry. No, def. I, again, very good points. Um, Aiden, uh, what did you tactically? Uh, what did you see from this match? Uh, what do you think? Uh, Roma did wrong. What do you think Liverpool did right? And how would you approach the second leg if you were uh, either manager? Uh, so I'll focus primarily on Roma. I mean, like 
you guys both previously stated, you know what Liverpool's going to run. It's going to be a 4-3-3, and it's going to be very attacking. With Roma, you have essentially a 3-4-3. That gives you only a numerical advantage in midfield, essentially. And unfortunately, uh, when you're facing Liverpool's front three, a three-man back line is not good enough. The only way Roma is going to be able to prevent Liverpool from scoring is if Kolarov and Florenzi are put as man markers on Mosala and Mane. Uh, but I also want to point out, Constantinos Manolas, it was not his best game. He was still doing incredibly smart things, not just on the ball, but off the ball as well. Uh he really has control of the back line, and honestly, he's one of the more model uh, center bats in the game right now. But you do have Kevin Churchman and Daniel Dorasi, who had incredibly disappointing matches, in my opinion. And it wasn't that Liverpool played that well, it was they played that poorly. I think going into the Nets picture, if there's any hope of a Roma comeback, you need Kevin Schurtman, you need Daniel Dorasi to be back in form. Excellent points, Aiden. Um, do you think that it was... What do you make of the Patrick Schick substitution in halftime? Do you think that was a good call? Do you think he should have started from the beginning? Uh, I don't think he played particularly well. I don't think he's warranted to be starting the Nets leg after that. I'd mm-hmm. like to see Diego Parati put on sooner rather than Patrick Chick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously 45 minutes is still a small increment. He could be the best player at the Nets leg. Oh, we won't know unless we see it happen. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they, they they actually, uh, you know, this was kind of it, that substitution was for many for many people who were watching it. Obviously, they thought, "Well, this is going to be the thing." He knows he's two 0 down at Anfield. He needs to make uh, uh, some sort of change. Do you think that was more bringing on Schick in that situation, which this is his first taste of actually major European football with this season with Roma? Do you think that um, that was more of a desperation move, or do you think it would? Do you think it should not be mistaken as desperation, or was that a a, I guess you well well thought out tactical adjustment? I don't think it was a desperation sub. I think it was a needed substitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he came on for Under. Um, yes, he did. Yep. And Under had uh, for any standards a terrible match uh, he was dispossessed once he i believe he only completed four passes in 45 minutes which is embarrassing there's no excuse for that <laughs> um so yeah I, I don't think it was a desperation sub i don't view it just like uh, a tactically smart substitution i think it's just your Simple, I need to make this change substitution. Okay. Yeah. Alex, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I know you used the word a few times already, mesmerizing. 
And I suppose <laughs> there's one reason for that, I think. I saw in the, you know, the second half of the first half. I don't think I've ever seen us play so many long balls in the half and mix it up with a short ball game as much as we did and as quickly as we did using the pace. So I think they were coming short and then going forward and then not judging that correctly, which allowed us more space. And it was it was mesmerising to the back three, you know, Manilas, Fazio and his, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Keep up. So, yeah, the long ball game was introduced much more than I've seen recently. Just wanted to say that. Absolutely correct. Uh, Stanino, are you there, buddy? Hey, I'm here, Cody. I know that you're chomping in the bit, man, and I know that you're, uh, unfortunately, you've admitted to me that you're one of those pot- potential pe- slightly pessimistic Liverpudlians. Uh, so I want you to tell me, what were your thoughts on this match, my friend? Give us give us your input on, on what you saw out there on the pitch and uh, which, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on this 5-2 result, which I, I, um, I, I think personally you couldn't have asked for a better result, honestly. <clears throat> well... It wasn't the best start. It wasn't the best 10, 15 minutes to open. Uh, but as you said, uh, I, I can't add much to uh, what you alluded to as far as Jurgen's adjustments from the 10th minute to the 80th minute. I think we saw a totally different change in, in dynamic just in terms of shape on the field. Really, in, in all uh, regard, the injury to Ox Chamberlain and you know, uh, unfortunately for him, um, that actually did change the dynamic. We've spoken in the past about Gino Ronaldo and how he is actually a midfield stabilizer. So giving him a set role and allowing him to, again, he just did more of this. He just kind of stayed in as uh, one lane of the park, which actually allowed, uh, just allowed for the other two in the midfield three to uh, expose and or send through um, the front three. Uh, I don't know if that's making sense at all, the way I'm phrasing it or the way I'm forming it, but I do believe that Genie Wijnaldum is a is a very good midfield stabilizer. Ox is a little bit more wild. With that said, um, just wonderful goals uh, from the front three. Uh, it was slightly disconcerting to see the two goals allowed at the uh in the 80th to the 90th minute um uh, i know we're trying to go um from a neutral observer here uh i i would be if i were a neutral i would still think roba has a decent chance if only um based off of their not miraculous comeback because barcelona have not been challenged and uh, La Liga, and they have not exactly played any sort of dynamic football all year. Uh, so they weren't challenged, but it is tough to come down from, come back from a three-goal advantage. Um, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. Sure. Let me ask you a question. If I gave you this scenario in Istanbul that Liverpool were down 3-0 at the half to that AC Milan team, if Liverpool had to do that twice in a row... Do you think they could do it? Do you think they could come back from 3-0 down the way that Steven Gerrard and company came back from 3-0 down? I say they couldn't. I think that a 3-0 advantage is one of those things that happens. It's it's once every 10 years in a competition of this magnitude. I, I don't believe that Roma, if this was any if this was a Juventus, if this was a Barca, if this was a Madrid, 
Roma are a, uh, uh, and I've said this for the third week in a row, they are a top four or five side in the Serie A. This is not a European juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. This, this, this team would be top four or five in the Bundesliga, top four or five in, I, I wouldn't even say, they're not even top four or five in the Premier League. Not even, not even. I, I don't believe they're capable of it. I, and, and, and I know this, this damn Barca result is the only thing that's most recent. And I think people are really a little bit um, kind of transfixed by this because I don't think that that is a, a true reflection of who Roma is. Here's, here's, here's my – and my counter has nothing to do with the result that ah, – I'm sorry, Critty. It's just uh, so much consternation, so much consternation <laughs> for, for my, my end personally. So you'll, you'll, you'll have to pardon me as we go through this, this, <laughs> this, this part. Uh, um, here's the thing, guys. There is no f- fucking defense being played in the Champions League right now at all. No side is playing any defense at all whatsoever. Byron today should have had four, five goals on Real Madrid. Whiffed on so many chances. We're not talking about that right now, but here's, here is my thing. There has just been a, a lack of defensive fortitude top to bottom from clubs of top four and leagues across Europe. Um, last year, we, what happened to PSG? They were up 6-2 on aggregate, lost 7-6. Do I have that right? Mm. 4-5-1. 5-1. Yeah, he back to win up, five. Yes, he was up 4-0 and ended up 4-0. losing 6-1 against Barca. So they went, they they lost on aggregate 6-5. And mm-hmm. PSG aren't exactly the the model that we want to use here, but there have plastic, been comebacks before. Plastic, plastic, You're not plastic. wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. All I would say in response to your confident demeanor, Critty, is any thing is possible, especially in these late stages. That's, that's, I, I believe the Liverpoolians, the, the scouts worldwide who have this bated breath, we're waiting on this match with bated breath. And I've been speaking to a lot of Liverpool fans myself since the result ended yesterday. We're sitting on pens and needles, man. And I know it's inappropriate to have said demeanor. We should have faith in Jurgen. We should have faith in Karius. I do have faith in the core. I have faith in the defensive three core. I have faith in the front three. I have faith in Gini Wijnaldum and Hendo and Milner. That's going to be your midfield three. With mm-hmm. that said, don't book your ticket to Kiev. I think- Can I? Oh, shit, I'm 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 fucked then, Stan. Because I mean, I got the uh, Delta is already done. It's it's done, man. I think it's less likely that Liverpool won't score. <laughs> then coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally agree with that. And and but since we do have two Champions League matches to talk about, we do have to move on. But I do want everyone's predictions first. So we're gonna do round robin, same as we did, uh, starting with myself, Alex, Aiden, Stan. Uh, I believe that it will be an open match. I think that Roma. I, I don't think. I know Roma is gonna have to come out of their little shell. They're, they're, they're like the little ninja turtles that they got to poke their head out in their arms and their legs. They got to attack. And unfortunately, I'm going to give Roma the. I'm, you know what I'm going to say? Roma is going to remain undefeated at the Stadio Olimpico in the Champions League. And Liverpool are also going to remain undefeated overall in the Champions League. It will be a 2 2 draw. Roma will not even come close to advancing. And Liverpool will advance on aggregate 7 2 4. Alex, 
What are your predictions, my friend? Okay, um, we're going to still come out attacking. Um, I think Roma, I think we'll get a first goal. Roma mm-hmm. then have to put all the chips in one basket, all the eggs in one basket and go go nuts. Um, we'll defend for a bit. We might let one in and then last 15 minutes we'll score another two. So it'll be 3-1. They're, they're, they'll be so tired in the last 10-15 if they have to chase the game. Under the pressure, under the emotion, their legs are going to go. And we're going to pick up with our pressure against their back three with Firmino. And you might get another two. Three one to me. <laughs> Excellent stuff, Alex. Aiden, what you got? Uh, so you guys and the listeners will hope I'm wrong. I'm going <laughs> Roma three, Liverpool two. Still enough for Liverpool uh, to go through, but I, I think Roma's going to walk away with the win. Yeah. Very good stuff, sir. Stan, which, Mr. Pessimist, what you got, Mr. Pessimist? I can't call it, but I'd like to say one, two to Roma. <laughs> one, two to Roma. We go, we go through on aggregate with the final of uh, quick math here, 6-3. Outstanding. 6-4, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. We go through, but it, it won't be easy. It will not be. So, to no one's surprise, there's a clean sweep. Liverpool advancing to their first Champions League final since 2007. Uh, so, the other matchup, we had the old friends, our good buddies, Bayern Munich, facing their good buddies from Spain, Real Madrid. They love each other. They always seem to, to, to kind of, get magnet pulled to one another in the Champions League. And yet it seems like more times than not, it's always the same result. Bayern Munich, they always get this hype before the match is played at the Allianz Arena. And every single time that I can remember in modern times, they seemingly crap the bed as they did today. And two goals away to Real Madrid. I'm sorry, but just as much as Roma is... 3-0 down, and then come back from a three-goal deficit against uh, uh, Liverpool. So, too, I do not believe that Real Madrid will go to the Bernabeu and, and, and do the same thing that they did against Juventus with Bayern. So, Bayern are in deep, deep, deep trouble. Uh, Alex, I know you saw some of this match. What were your, what were your thoughts on this thing? Um, well, I kind of was working at the time. I had it on my laptop. <laughs> The side, as, as we all in the US, um, yeah. I, I just didn't see a huge amount of quality to be honest. The in, there's no intensity there, really, huge amount like lacking. It's a huge game. I mean, some of the passing, some of the control of the ball wasn't as good as I would have expected. Um, the first Bayern Munich goal, uh, sorry, the, the Bayern Munich goal, um, was pretty. Lazy and defensive on the on the part of Madrid. There, it was like on a training pitch. It was just a one-two-ish, and he was through. And you know, being you know being a Liverpool fan myself, I wasn't really concerned who we faced in the final. And I think we're going to the final. But um, yeah, um, it just shows you how important it is at this level to finish your chances off. Bayern Munich had the better of the chances. Um, in my opinion, Navas made a few fantastic saves. Ribery was quality, um, but they're just not finishing their chances, and that—that's what cost them in the end. Um, 
so you know they're both kind of playing a high line. Um, when at, yeah, I think Madrid got caught five times in the first half offside, where Bayern Munich to to nothing. Um, but then you know you've got the defensive capabilities of Ramos and Varane, who's probably arguably the best centre back pairing around. Mm-hmm. Um, they still haven't faced our trio yet, but um, simple as that. The yeah, the ball control wasn't amazing, and the intensity I didn't think was impressive at all um, at that level. They Ronaldo had a quiet game, but I don't think Ronaldo had a quiet game. I think the service to Ronaldo wasn't there tonight. Um, but overall, I think because they finished the chances, they were deserved winners. Aiden, uh, question for you. Uh, this goes back to um, this goes back to a player that you and I know very well, Robert Lewandowski. It's been since he wore the black and yellow shirt that he really had a fantastic performance against Real Madrid. In in, in a Bayern shirt, he has never really lived up to the height. It's it, it's a guy to me who's a bully. He can score a hat trick against Darmstadt. He can he can uh, wreck Werder Bremen, and he can beat down Hamburg. But we've we've yet to see him uh, make his case and really get to that. I'd say that next level, the Ballon d'Or level, against Atletico, against Barca, against Real Madrid. Um, what are your th- What are your thoughts, Aiden, on Robert Lewandowski? Uh, I, I hate to say this, but being as far as it goes, at least in a Bayern shirt, he's kind of a choke artist in these big in big time matchups. I highly disagree with that. Uh, I think as strikers, you must rely on getting the service. And if you're going to pin it on Lewandowski for not showing up in the big games against Spanish sides, you need to pin it on the rest of the team for uh, not providing him with opportunities or the opportunities that he needs. And we all know that Bayern is not good with uh, Spanish opposition. So I think to uh, individualize him, I disagree with. I think the blame falls on the team as a whole. But don't you think that sometimes Real Madrid has the same problem? They don't always get the quote-unquote service, but somehow, some way, CR7 finds a way to get on the score sheet. Lewandowski does not. Would you, what, 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 what are your thoughts on that? I think that what we're seeing is we have CR7 and we have Messi, who are some of the best in history. And we have Robert Lewandowski, who's one of the best at the moment. They're a different caliber of player. Robert Lewandowski is a world-class player, in my opinion. But Cristiano Ronaldo is a -a once-in-a-lifetime player. So then it's so the debate should really is unfair to Lewandowski then to compare him to uh, Messi, Ronaldo, and <clears throat> Salah, right? All right, yeah, and uh, I let's give Salah another season of this output before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Totally agree. That's why I coughed. Uh, Aiden, what else? Aiden, what else did you see in this match that uh, kind of struck you? Uh, like Alex stated, it was pretty sloppy. I wasn't overly impressed with it. In fact, I was a little bit bored with it, which is really surprising when it's Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid. Um, I 
think also just to scapegoat someone, uh, Rafinha again proves that he is the one mediocre player in Bayern Munich's lineup, and uh, Real Madrid exploited the weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's anyone that Bayern Munich should be looking at in the transfer window, it's finding an upgrade to Rafinha. Could not agree more. We, you and I have talked about this before, um, just shooting around, and we, we both said that Rafinha is the one guy uh, in, that, in that back four that will absolutely kill Bayern when it comes time, and, and, and today's a good result, uh, a, a good, you know, that's proof in the pudding, and there it is. Uh, Stan, what, what were your thoughts on this match uh, from, you know, tactically, uh, were you impressed? Do you think the teams had the correct lineup, had uh, the, the right approach? Uh, would you have done something differently? And what should we look for kind of moving forward? Uh, Bayern kind of in a hole here as they uh, go to the Bernabeu, a very unforgiving place uh, for not just Bayern Munich, but any team, really. So um, I'll jump around a little bit. Uh, tactically speaking, I do believe um, that I think today Zizou proved, as if he didn't prove it already, he is one of the world's Top two, top three, world's best managers. It's just not even a question. Um, he actually just mimicked whatever Jupp Klinkis did. Um, they both switched to a flat back 4-4-2 uh, after halftime. Uh, they both were more or less shading one another in a uh, 4-4-1-1 diamond. Uh, not necessarily a diamond, but... As always with Real Madrid, you're going to see Marcelo pass up on the left-hand side, almost play as a faux left-hand winger, and you'll see, um, um, not Carvajal, um, Casemiro. You'll see Casemiro almost kind of shade to the left a little bit. Obviously, being a CDM, he has responsibilities in the in the uh, in the last third, but you'll almost see him always kind of towards the left. Sergio Ramos also on the left, so that actually gives Marcelo. Uh, the freedom of movement. Um, listen, when I saw Marco Asensio on the touchline right after halftime, I immediately said, this match is a wrap. I spoke with a Byron fan of mine, uh, Byron fan who's a friend, friend of mine, who also said the same thing. It's over. What happens? Rafinha, worst turnover possible. Um, when you should actually be trying to get the ball away from the middle of the park, not a sloppy uh, touch pass to someone else who's also in the middle of the park. Now you have a breakout. Now you have a counter. You literally had too many players forward. Right before that, actually, Frank Ribéry, shout out to him with his just incredible feat, even at his advanced stage of his career. Holy cow, that should have been a goal. Trying to thread to Miller, um, uh, Raphael Varane, uh, hell of a play. That's that's. Those are the types of plays that will win you the Champions League. If Real go ahead and win in Kiev, we'll look back on that moment. Uh, Asensio, he's he's one of my favorites. Let's just put it like that. He's one of my favorites as a cam, as a young superstar going forward. I think it's over. When that goal was put into the back of the net by Asensio, it it was over right then and there. You don't win at the Bernabeu at the Bird Bayou in front of 100,000. It's very intimidating. I know Byron has plenty of European experience, but they actually, and I know this sounds very um, 
uh, remedial thing to say, but they played slow tonight. They played slow. They weren't first to the ball. Real, <sighs> Real attacked, attacked and commanded, uh, especially in the second half. They, they commanded the pace of play. They pulled strings all over the park. So uh, mm-hmm. that those are my just immediate thoughts. Uh, Alex, yeah. uh, do we have any hope if you're a Byron fan or a Byron supporter or a Byron anything? Is there any is there any hope going to Spain uh, facing? The, it, it seems to me that, that I mean, Real Madrid sort of play down or play up to their to their competition. They do just enough to win. They're not yeah. winning in spectacular fashion, but they they they're just they just annoy you. They never get four goals up or four goals down. They just kind of always stay one step ahead of you and that's just enough to get it done until they reach the final and you know it's it's basically 90 minute sprint to the finish. Do you do you see any hope? Is there anything that Byron can do to turn this thing around? Yeah, I agree with you with the Real Madrid thing when they just play to the lowest common denominator. Um, there's a lot of ball players in the both Bayern Munich and Real Madrid game which slowed the game down, I think. Everybody wants to receive the ball, but there's not enough forward movement making space and making runs. That slows the plays down, keeps the ball in the middle of the pitch, like Stan said. And that's how the game went out today. I think the only reason if it gives Bayern Munich a chance will be their experience. You know, it's, you could say it's an aging team. You know, you've got Ribery, Robin, um, Lewandowski, you know, late 20s, 30s. But they've got fantastic experience like Real Madrid have. So, you know, they can turn it on and they have the players in the squad to um, to turn it on and, and create something out of nothing all over the pitch. Uh, really. One second. Is someone's, someone's mic or there's TV on in the background? Not me. I'm outside, honestly. Am I, maybe I'm picking up outside outside noise. Can you go back inside? <laughs> I'll go on mute. <laughs> um, I'm on mute, guys. I'm on mute. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I was just picking up a lot of a lot of uh, outside noise. Sorry about that, Alex. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's I saying? So yeah, they have players that can break some of that and nothing. Um, you know, Lewandowski, he still can. He's still got that in him. He does have the European experience. You know, I was at the game when he scored. Four against Wolfsburg, um, mm-hmm. and it was one of the most incredible performances of a forward I, I've ever seen live. He still has that in him. He's he's got a lot to show, but I said the the experience and the age might might see them through. But I can't I can't see it to be honest because I think Real Madrid will be too strong at home, and they'll 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 they're quite tactical, um, mm-hmm. in game tactical in-game tactics, they, they have it down, I think, um, with Ramos being one of the most experienced centre-backs in the world um, and Navas playing well at the moment. So it's going to be an interesting one, but, you know, as 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 disappointed as I was of the quality I was shown today, it equally excites me <laughs> to, to match any of these two up in the final. <laughs> so, Yeah. Aiden, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, do you, uh, being a, uh, kind of a, a Bundesliga expert, do you see 
anything that Bayern can do, because obviously now they're down 2-1 going to Madrid. Uh, they, they have to score they have to score some away goals. There's, there's no way around it. They have to, they have to be the aggressors. Uh, is it suffice to say that if Bayern Munich come out as the aggressors, they will pay a dear price for that against this Real Madrid? Uh, I think there's still a chance. Uh, I'm not sure what Manuel Neuer's timetable is on his return. I know he's back in training again. And also, Iron Robin, if his presence is missed in the uh, Nets leg, I think that will be sort of the nail in the coffin for Bayern. But I think if Robin is good, then I think there's a very good chance that Bayern still manage to get something going. Um, I think with Bayern, it's their team that you cannot sleep on. I mean, they even with them playing Real Madrid, they don't necessarily need to change their tactics. They're a very good team on both ends of the pitch. Um, what would you adjust tactically if you're Bayern? What would you, if you're your pink is, how would you approach this match from a lineup perspective? I know there's not much you can do about Rafinha. Scored, sort of, he's sort of there, and as you and I said many times, and as you pointed out tonight, he's sort of the weak link. So, what do you do when you're going to the Bernabeu down two one? If you're your Pankas, in order to try and draw this thing uh, at least level to force extra time, if not uh, go into uh, perhaps a penalty shootout to win it or win it outright. It doesn't really matter how you get it done. It's the, it's the whole point is you get it done. So what can, what can Byron do to, um, to, to, to force Real Madrid's hand? I think as crazy as it sounds, you change absolutely nothing. You play your game. If it works, it works. If you try and just something that you've been doing all season long, one way, it's going to result in failure. You, can't necessarily make the uh, tactical adjustments going into what is, in my opinion, the biggest game of their season. I think you just have to play your natural game. I agree with you there. I don't think there is much that, that, that Byron can do. Stan? As far as what we see for the second leg, is that I, I just think, no, thank you. I won't even, I, I will tune in, obviously, but I don't see how it's possible. Um, <sighs> I really want to take it. No chance. No chance in hell, uh, as uh, Vince McMahon <laughs> likes to say. Uh, there, uh, uh, there's just literally and figuratively, um, pardon the background noise, folks. Um, for one second here, just let me get this off. You cannot host a home fixture in the semis and give up two and only score one. You had so much, so much of the ball, so many chances, so many opportunities. Yes, there are injuries, but the talent on FC Bayern should have been more prevalent in this fixture. And I am highly disappointed in the Bavarian Giants. Um, on last week's episode, Critty, we spoke at length about um, their dominance of the Bundesliga, their dominance over Bayern and the other clubs, Schalke, etc., so on, so on, so forth. 
their dominance for years, for the past 20 years, honestly, and even going back to, if you want, going back to the 70s. It's been, um, it's not, it's been 50 fucking years. Let's be quite been, No, let's, let's be very honest. You're, <laughs> you're not it's wrong. Been you're 50, not wrong. With that said, years. All right, oh, all right, all right, BVB, man. Hold on a second. I, I know you want to get your shit out there. No, it's, it's bad. With that said, if you're dominating your country, your country's top division for 50 years, you best show the fuck up. I don't even care about my French right now. You best show up in Europe in the semis. Yapankis isn't coming through that door next year. I don't know who's coming through that door next year. This was one of their last chance. It's Nico Kovac. I don't care who it is. Oh, it is Nico Kovac. That has been confirmed. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. That has been confirmed. With that said, oh yeah, it was it was confirmed all right. If you listen to fucking uh, Karl Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Hernandez's explanation of it, they basically rear-ended Frankfurt like uh, no one's business. I mean, that is uh, that's a whole different story for a different day. But I, my hey, if anyone is listening that's an Eintracht Frankfurt fan, my heart goes out to you. Fuck Bayern Munich. That was just the lowest, dirtiest shit on the planet. And then Bayern Munich has the audacity to say we did Frankfurt a favor. Oh yeah, you did. Anyway, Stan, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. Um, Damn, I hate Byron. Fuck him. Sorry, I can't hide. <laughs> um, yeah, it was disappointing. Slow to the ball, slow to react, did not press, did not react to the substitution to the addition of Asensio, did not react to Marcelo's advancement down the left-hand side, just did not react to the ball in general. And when Rafinha slept, I literally gasped aloud as I was watching the match. Oh, no. Oh, no. Two-on-one. Mm-hmm. It was a two-on-two, which is essentially developed into, into a two-on-two. I couldn't even tell. Was it Hummels who was the last man back? It doesn't really matter who the last man back was. You knew that was getting past Ter Stegen. Uh, not Ter Stegen. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, Sven Ulreich. Yeah, yeah, Sven Ulreich. Yeah, right. Uh, right, right. Um, actually, their first, first choice keeper has been out for... Um, most of the year. Yeah, Neuer's been out with the injury, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Neuer's not, not, not saving that either. And Asensio just put it dead center. Sven actually could have actually put a, put a, uh, could have parried back to the side, but let's face it, he's a backup. Shouldn't be starting in the semi. Ah, I'm so mad at FC Bayern. I hate Real Madrid. How you hate Bayern, pretty? I hate Real. I hate both Real and I hate Barca for... Obvious reasons. Um, and, no chance. And, and, no uh, chance. I understand, I, I, no chance. I understand that. So we do. I do want to. I do want to head south and go to Italy for a couple of minutes. So let's go ahead and give our predictions real quick. Um, I. So my thoughts on this on this second fixture. I, I do believe that Bayern and and you know I, I I hate them but I respect them and they are a good side. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's unfortunate because they do represent the Bundesliga that they choke against the major Spanish sides seemingly every single season. And uh, that's a bad representation of the German first uh, top flight. And unfortunately, it does not look like that is going to change anytime soon. It appears that Borussia Dortmund's the only fucking German side that can beat Real Madrid, uh, as they've done many, many times. Uh, quite in fact, a few times under Jurgen Klopp. I just have to, I have to tag that because it is a fact. And Dortmund just kind of owned Real Madrid at the uh, Westfalenstadion. Anywho, uh, I do see Bayern... Uh, coming out, they will score an away goal. Unfortunately, as Alex, uh, you and I basically 
kind of agreed on a little while ago. Real Madrid will do just enough. They will annoy you. They will prod you. They will poke you. And they, too, will score a goal. And the, the fixture will end 3-2 on aggregate. And we will have a Champions League final, which honestly, based on name recognition, based on tradition, based on uh, what these two uh, 17 Champions League uh, wins between or European Cups between them, we're going to have Liverpool FC and Real Madrid in a 90-minute sprint to the finish. That is how I see it. Alex, I'd love to hear your predictions. Um, I think Bayern will score first, but then two all. Um, or one or one of the two. Um, hey, Stan, you almost got more confidence in uh, Real Madrid than <laughs> Liverpool going through. <laughs> I sound terrible, boys, and I, 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 it's, yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry. Continue, please, please. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, well, you've said too fucking much to edit out your shit, Stan. So I mean, it's not like we can. You've already been. You've already. You've already sat there and taken a dump on Jurgen Klopp tonight. I mean, it's not really like we can't really shovel that shit off of him at this point. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Do you want to? Do you want to? Hey, do you want to take a few stabs? You want to take a few stabs at Lovren while you're at it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man um no no i'm, I'm good i'm good i'm good I'm, I'm good i'm good on that um but i will say that i will just say this um at least i came across as somewhat uh as not the super fan that i like to be i'm not the super fan i like to be okay so real quick uh aiden uh how do you see this thing playing out in the bernabeu uh what's your final score what's your what's your final score in the second leg what's your aggregate score and who is going to Kiev? One more comment. One uh, more comment. Sorry. <laughs> Don't yeah, Sarah, yeah, Real winning. And it'd be, what, that'd be 4-1 Real Madrid on aggregate. So mm-hmm. going to Kiev, Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Fantastic. Alex, you said something else? Just a really simple sentence. <laughs> doesn't. I just don't give a fuck who it is. I think we've got this in the bag, lads. I'm so fucking excited. I've never been more confident and excited to reach a final, let alone play one and hit against whoever. Just fucking bring them on. They just got no idea what they're up against. It's gonna be fucking awesome. Totally agree. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, Stan, uh, so I want. I'm interested to see what your prediction is going to be because your hatred of Real Madrid is so deep. So. How do you see the second leg going? Uh, what's your aggregate score? And will it be Bayern or Real Madrid facing Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool? Okay, I uh, I have it. I also have it. Dosasero at the Bernabeu. Um, 4-1 aggregate for uh, Los Blancos. Um, in Kiev, I'm going to hold off on the uh, Kiev prediction um i i i want to see more real game tape they've they've they they are a completely different side now than what we saw wait 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 you're holding you're holding off on the dynamo kiev prediction we're not talking about dynamo kiev we're talking about the 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 final in kiev gotcha heard you heard you i uh okay all right all right all right okay okay you have to win a winner between Real and, and Liverpool. Gotcha. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We are not predicting. We're not predicting the final of uh, the score of the final. We're, we're, I'm trying to get your input on who you think is going to advance between Bayern and Real. Real. 
I have I have Los Blancos. I have Los Blancos. I hate them. I yeah, I hate them. But yes, Los Blancos. All right. Well, the the wine glass is empty and the bourbon's nowhere nearby, so I'm very sad right now. But uh, something that will cheer me up is I, I we get to talk a little bit of calcio, and we're going to take a trip down to Italy real quick. Uh, last week we had uh, the, the the match of all matches in Serie A, the only major league in Europe that is still competitive, as Napoli were able to get a 90th minute winner against Juventus at the Allianz Stadium. Fantastic win. This is why we watch football, lads. This is why we love the beautiful game is exactly moments like this. And it's a feel-good story. And despite the fact that that Napoli are still one point uh, back of Juventus, Juventus now have to travel to the Stadio San Siro to face Internazionale. And they will have the largest, uh, the highest earning gate in San Siro history. It's a sellout. It's over 74,000. So this matchup, because of Napoli's win last week, against Inter has now become really for Napoli an even bigger matchup because Napoli need Inter's help in order for them to make, to pull ahead of, of, of Juve for the first time in, in quite some time. Uh, so my thoughts on this match are, and, you know, I think that Inter entered this match as massive underdogs. I think that, you have the best striker in the Serie A in Mauro Icardi. I think that he is uh, capable of scoring against anyone. He has, in fact, uh, made quite a living for himself recently uh, against scoring against Juve. He's he's got he's got a little streak going for himself. He seems to he tends to to to, to play better against the higher competition. He had a fantastic match, of course, in the Milan Derby earlier in the season where he scored a hat trick. I scored uh, some crucial goals uh, back in the very start of the season against Roma at the Stadio Olimpico. Mario Riccardi always seems to rise to the occasion. Can he once again do it on the grandest stage of them all? And furthermore, there is a lot at stake for Inter in this match. This is not just the Derby d'Italia between Juve and Inter. Juve is trying to win the league. Napoli is trying to win the league. And Inter are trying to qualify, and it's hard for me to say this, after winning the treble in 2010 – they're trying to qualify for the Champions League for the first time in essentially over half a decade. Uh, so this is this is a massively important match. Alex, how do you see this thing unfolding? Uh, this is going to be a battle between, uh, you know, the, Allegri sometimes get criticized by Juventus supporters in getting his tactics wrong. He doesn't do this right or whatnot. And then you've got Inter with Spalletti, who has essentially uh, put, put a... Uh, kind of the same roster together. Uh, minus they have Joao Cancelo. They got Rafinha, obviously, during the winter break uh, from Barcelona. He's come along quite nicely. But he's taken the same team that Stefano Pioli had last season, uh, as well as uh, Frank De Boer. Ouch. Uh, that one really hurt. And he's made them into a, a, a Champions League qualification competitor. Do you see, Alex, any chance for Inter to, to do any kind of uh, damage to Juve in this game? I mean, Inter will know what pressure Juventus will be under, first of all. Um, so that would, so they've kind of got nothing, but obviously they've got a lot to play for, but in terms of Juventus trying to win the league, then not as much as that. Um, but Napoli, um, they've, they've got ninth place and tenth place in the next couple of games. I can't see anything but six points there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Juventus have a huge amount of pressure on them now. Um with this game at Inter, it's so much rivalry. It's 
one of the biggest rivalries in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, in the last few seasons, I haven't been really following it myself, so I'm not going to jump to the gun and flag it. But um, I, I'm hoping Napoli will, this week, with the fixtures, um, jump ahead two points. I, I see Juventus drawing with Inter. Um, yeah, that's my that's my prediction this week anyway. But it's, it's so interesting to see. I mean, it's the, it, like you said, it's the most, it's going to be the most probably watched. Um, it's the closest end to the season we've seen, we're going to see in Europe so far. So there's a lot, going to be a lot of eyes on this. Um, I wish I did more research, um, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, no problem at all. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it, Serie A has been kind of a dud for the last five, six years. And this is the first yeah. time it's really been competitive. You've been running away with it. Uh, for this will be the seventh in a row if they won it, which is uh, that's just honestly depressing. Aiden, uh, how do you see this match unfolding? What do you what do you think Inter needs to do uh, from? Would you go aggressive in this matchup? You're at home. You're facing Juventus. Juventus is known for their for their absolutely brutal defense. Uh, you've got obviously a very good attack with Juventus as well. There are no slouches when it comes to putting the ball in the back end net. You've got Douglas Costa. You've got uh, um, Paulo Dybala, you've, you've got you've got some players there. Uh, if you're Inter, do you come out? Do you come out of the gates just firing, or do you play it out the first 15, 20 minutes and try to feel out what you is going to do? Uh, I think if you're Inter, you actually sit back on this one and mm-hmm. almost try and force a mistake. It's not the style that we typically see. But I think, like uh, we talked about, uh, Juventus is going to be almost desperate to walk away with all three points. And I think that will cause them to slip up. And I think Inter needs to make sure they exploit those slip-ups. Well, to me, it always seems like Inter cannot string together two or three really good performances. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they had the 5-0. They win at Sampdoria. Uh, they, and then, you know, shortly, a couple of weeks after, they lose 1-0 to Torino. It seems like it's, it's, those, it's those little – it's those it's, – it's almost – Inter's a very lot like, like Liverpool in that aspect. And, and you, you fear West Brom more than you fear Manchester City. And that's, that, that's, that's kind of how it is. Inter last season uh, with Frank De Boer as the manager – Beat Juventus two to one at the San Siro, so it can be done. It, it, there's no doubt about it. Uh, just it it would not surprise me. It would surprise me to see Inter lose this match. Uh, a draw or win would for Inter would not surprise me at all. Stan, how do you see this unfolding, buddy? Uh, it's tough to call, but I think overall, because of who is literal last not last minute, but damn near last minute uh, loss uh, while hosting Napoli. Uh, on Sunday, I, I having to go on the road to a to a Rocca San Siro in front of seventy four thousand mad international uh, national faithfuls. Um, and of course, we know Inter are fighting for Champions League uh, positioning. Ah, man, I I see an ups- I see a, not an upset, but I see uh, another who they lost. Um, I see either. Nil-nil or one-nil to enter. 
no no draw one nil to enter and i could see uh i i could totally see a a perisic uh late late stunner i was just gonna uh, say Ivan perisic is the one guy uh uh aiden our our wolfsburg brethren right you just yeah. got a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan Perisic is the one guy that kind of sort of, he sort of flies under the radar. Second leading scorer for Inter this season. Everyone's focused on Mauro Riccardi. And just when you think that you haven't figured out, just like last week in the match against Kievo Verona, you know, Perisic can score uh, really at any given time. It, it's, I think it's going to be a fascinating match. To me, it is the most important Derby d'Italia in a long time. Uh, this late in the season with this much at stake, both teams are still playing for a lot. Uh, so this this one... This one is going to be huge. Uh, I'm going to call for a 2-1 Inter win. I think Inter takes the three points. Uh, they keep the pressure on Roma and Lazio in the table. I agree with Alex that Napoli will probably get six of their next six points, which would then pull them ahead of Juventus. And, guys, then we have basically a three-match sprint to the finish. Interesting note, Juventus still has to play Roma. So that's still something to keep on your calendars. It doesn't get any easier from here, boys. It does not get any easier from here. Hey, Critty. Uh, oh, go on. I'm, I'm sorry, Alex. Um, Critty, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a hot take here. I'm going to steal a hot take uh, from our wonderful producer, Joe, mm-hmm. um, at Foresight. Uh, I was listening to his uh, podcast from uh, last night. Do we think that uh, Alison... Uh, is he tanking? Is was he tanking yesterday at at the cop at at Anfield? Was he tanking to maybe dissuade uh, dissuade a transfer to Liverpool? I know I said last week idiotically that Roma would tank the Scudetto in order to uh, I'm, I'm sorry that they would tank uh, the Champions League in order to qualify through the Scudetto for next season. But is is Allison Becker is he tanking? To stay at Roma? Uh, no, he's absolutely not tanking. Uh, okay. I will stick with okay. my initial with my initial answer last week that Roma has been. You can count on your fingers, and I mean like no fingers or one finger. How many times Roma has been to the Champions League final in their entire history? Uh, modern modern UEFA Champions League. I, I, the, the, since it's become the UEFA Champions League, I know that they've never been. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity if you're a Roma fan, if you're a Roma supporter, if you're a Roma player, if you're a Roma manager. This is it. Uh, he's not tanking. They will not make it back next year or the year after or the year after. This is, this is truly – UEFA Champions League in its current format hasn't even been around for 30 years. This is their – this is, this is it. This is, this is their um, – I guess to liken it to American sports, this is sort of their Philadelphia Eagles moment. You know, you're, you're, you're there. It's the, it, you don't get there often. When you go, you play all out, and you go for the win. I don't think Allison's tanking at all. I'll leave it to Aiden. Alex, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, oh, if you're talking about that, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is Roma's chance to to get into certainly next next year's Champions League, plus get as far as they can as they've, they've ever done. Yeah. Um, but talking about Allison. Um, is that you know you, you, Joe was saying about his kind of audition yesterday, um, but the guy that I thought impressed the most for Rome was Nangolan. Um I think he would 
really suit us. <laughs> I liked him for a while. Um, obviously, Allison and Nangalen were their best players. Um, his awareness, his speed, his um, thinking, his his passing, his movement, his skill in the middle of the pitch. Wow, I, I, I thought he had a really good game actually yesterday. Um, but I was going to say about the Juve um, Napoli and Inter and um, yeah, the next three or four games. Um, I think red cards are going to play a vital role in the next three games. Certainly this game coming up in Italy. <laughs> I could just see a few red cards bouncing around and that's going to affect you know, the next three games somewhat. We'll see. It's going to get heated no matter what. Absolutely agree. Um, well, so I think we've all wrapped up our predictions on uh, Juventus and Inter. Uh, I think we, we, you know, we're all in agreement it's still going to be uh, quite the finish in the Serie A. So with that said, I want to look real quick into the matches that will be played tomorrow. There is still one European competition going on. Uh, that is the UEFA Europa League. And we have um, quite a, a juggernaut matchup in one of the semifinals. You have a, a, a Arsenal uh, from the Premier League, uh, obviously 14 years in a row, Champions League uh, this uh, season, unfortunately, relegated to Little Europe, as I like to call it. And they are facing uh, Spanish juggernauts, Atletico Madrid. This 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 has um, fantastic matchup written all over it, just from a prestige standpoint. Um, this style of play, Arsene Wenger style of play uh, against Diego Simeone. This is this is going. I, I think this is going to be um, a sleeper pick for one of the better semifinals between Europa League and Champions League, if you take all four four fixtures into account. And then on the other side, we have Marseille versus uh, Red Bull Salzburg. So what, um, Alex, how do you how do you see Arsenal, Atletico, and Marseille, Red Bull playing out tomorrow in the first leg? Um, I think the first leg could be quite tight at Arsenal. Um, their record against Spanish sides isn't very good. Um but to reach the final and maybe to win it will be huge, um, huge for Wenger in his last season. Um, all said and all things said, I don't quite like the guy, and he's done a lot for for for, for the Premier League. And I'd I'd like to see him lift some trophy, European trophy, and possibly get Arsenal into the next next year's Champions League. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, Arsenal and Atletico Madrid, these are equally the two, you know, they've each haven't faced a stronger side as the other opponent um, so far. So they've kind of both had a kind of an easy ride. Um, so that if you treat them all the same, yeah, this will be a, this is going to be a huge semi-final in, in European competition this season. Um, one of the biggest to watch. Um yeah, and if they win it as well and get get through to the Champions League, that's going to attract a, a name, possibly a higher caliber manager than they would have if they didn't. If they're not going to um, Marseille, Salzburg, don't really know much about their form this season, to be honest. Um, well, one. they've knocked out Borussia Dortmund, uh, which they weren't supposed to, and then no, uh, knocked out Lazio. Okay. So they have taken out two pretty damn good opponents on their way to becoming the first Austrian side to ever reach uh, a major European competition semifinal. So they're, they're quite the, uh, they're quite the little, the little engine that could. Well, they deserve it the most then. 
<laughs> Aiden, how do you see these two fixtures playing out real quick? Uh, so keep it, or to keep it brief, I'm going to say Atletico Madrid is going to get past Arsenal. I just think Arsenal have what takes to break down Atletico Madrid and Simeone. And I think Salzburg is going to continue the pricing run and get past Marseille. And I'll actually predict the final as well. And I think Salzburg is actually going to win it. It may be too bold of a claim even from me, but I really do believe that they're going to be pulling off a Euro League version of uh, Leicester City, if I may. Mm-hmm. Stan, I need you to stop typing and pay attention. <laughs> Stan? Stan. Uh, I'm still here. I'm still here, guys. Okay. Sorry. Okay. The chat got, the chat. I know we're talking yes. Europa League. I'm sorry that you're uh, falling asleep at the wheel in the Europa League. Um, there may be some Diego Simeone fans out there. There may be some uh, uh, some bitter Olivier Giroud fans out there that still wish he was wearing the Arsenal shirt. Um, so we need, to, we need to quickly wrap up. Uh, how do you see the two um, Europa League fixtures playing out tomorrow? Uh, because they are um, I, I think they're very watchable uh, matches in their own right. Uh, certainly. I've actually been watching the Europa League more than I've been watching Champions League. Um, I've been keeping close track of uh, Arsene Wenger's... I had a feeling this would be his last last campaign at the helm. Uh, Merci Asen. Um, 22 years as one of the best managers of all time. Period. Shut it down. Let's go home. I don't want any debates. You can at me if you want to. To hell with everything, with all of his critics of this year. Yes, he's at the end of his run at Arsenal. Fine. He's actually been pushed out. Um, no offense, Critty, but the uh, new technical, the new uh, overseer of player development and player acquisitions has been trying, is from Dortmund and has been desperate to get Arson out the door. Uh, that is neither here nor there. I would hope that uh, Wenger has still a little bit of magic left now that he has the peace of mind that this is it. I like Gunners. Um, first leg tomorrow for Arsenal uh, hosting Atleti. Diego Simeone does not play any games. He does not fuck around. Uh, <laughs> I could, I, he doesn't. He doesn't. He runs a very tight ship. He runs a tight ship defensively. And it's so odd that Diego Costa would want to run back to him instead of playing in England, but uh, I don't know. Antonio Conte is neither here nor there. That's not part of the argument. Um, I can easily see a barn burner here. A 3-2, a 2-1, but a very exciting fixture at the Emirates. Um, the first leg for, for Marseille-Salzburg, I am not impressed with uh, only big Marseille. I am not. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with uh, Alex that I, I'm not too familiar with Salzburg's domestic form, but I do know of their form in the Europa League. <sighs> and I'll tell you something. I, I, I think they're going to put it away early. Uh, Marseille are weak at the back. They're, they're, they have plenty of talents. Plenty of talents throughout their starting 11. With that said, I am not confident uh, in their ability to... Hold off Salzburg. I'm I'm not confident. 
Are you okay, Stan? Or did you fall? Or did you did you did you fall over? No, I stopped because I heard some sort of uh, audio readjustment on another end. Um, I was just playing. Heard... Sorry. Okay. Uh, no problem. No. No problem. No problem. No problem. I just needed to stop for a second as I heard. So that. interesting. Interesting. Uh, uh, interesting uh, news came through today, uh, Aiden. Uh, real quick on the Alpha One podcast, which is the uh, this uh, Dortmund podcast run by. Three guys who are near and dear and close to the club that Arsene Wenger is actually being considered as a one-year option at manager for Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, I saw that. The only reason I see that happening is if Julian Nagelsmann is the target and we're giving him another year to decide. Or if we know that a manager wants to take a sabbatical and he's already sort of agreed to come back, but only at uh, two seasons from now, I guess, technically, or I guess one year in between. But yeah, uh, honestly, I we might as well stick with Peter Stoger. Um, I don't really see what Wendner would bring to the table. So I'm hoping that it's just uh, in case of emergency, we'll consider him. Well, I agree with everything you said there. I think Nagelsmann is the target, and I think that uh, they, they, there's there's going to be one more year in between us uh, getting him and getting uh, him into to the Westfalenstadion. Guys, we've covered a lot of ground, and we have next week, we're going to know if all of our predictions came true. We're going to know who's going to Kiev. We're going to know what, what the matchup's going to be. And, of course, we'll be a little bit more intelligent uh, in the – we definitely won't have it concluded, but we'll be a little bit more uh, intelligent as far as it goes to the Serie A, the championship, as well as the Champions League. Um, so before we wrap it up, I'm going to give everyone a chance real quick to tell everybody out there, the listeners, uh, where they can find you on social media and what you're working on right now. Alex, where can people find you? Uh I'm on social media, but I haven't got really a, I don't go on Twitter much. Um, so, yeah, ignore me for that. But my final, I, just a couple of comments I was going to make anyway. <laughs> Maybe I will start to this end of the season, the more I'm on here. Um, I really hope no one else gets injured on Saturday, especially Salah and Robertson, because that would be disastrous. And a big shout-out to James Milner for the most assists in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Aiden, uh, tell people what you're working on right now and tell people where they can find you because you always have excellent insight into the beautiful game and uh, everything that's going on uh, with Bristol Rovers. Uh, so not to keep it uh, too exclusive or whatever, but I'm currently working on developing a, well, I think it's a new metric. It might be an old metric that I hadn't discovered. Mm-hmm. Um Basically looking at coaches and uh, value for a manager. Um, and that will be released on my Twitter, which you can find me at AR Data Analysis. And yeah, uh, that's about all I can say right now. So yeah. Stan, what you got for us, man? I know you got to plug some shit. Uh, yeah, real quick, just a uh, shout out to... Uh, twofoottalk.wordpress.com we're doing a lot of work we're still in the, in the developmental stage it's a football blog that covers worldwide footy um, US CONCACAF Champions League um, 
we also cover the APL, we cover uh, the Bundesliga, we cover everything. So that is twofoottalk.wordpress.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is, and it's just, it's changed recently, uh, at Real White Dude FC. That's white with a Y, W H Y T E, as is my last name is spelled. Also, shout out to my homie, Glenn Lawrence, at Glenn Lawrence. He just broke his hand, but he's still pushing out work. He put out a piece today about Joshua Kimmich. Kimmich scored today. The piece was released at about 8.20 this morning, Central Time. He predicted the man is magical. Uh, Also, hashtag free Draxler. Um, The kid could be going to either Dortmund or Schalke or FC Bayern. If PSG decide to sell house because they do have to put up 250 to actually complete the sale for Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe. That's all I got. Thank Guys, you for having me. I've, one second, Stan. Hold your horses. <laughs> uh, guys, it's been fantastic. As always, you three have rocked the house. Um, uh, just, again, great, great discussion around the beautiful game, great discussion around the Champions League. Uh, Serie A and uh, quickly in the Europa League. I've been your host, uh, Critty Smith. You can find me at Critty Smith. That's at C-R-I-T-T-Y-S-M-I-T-H on Twitter. Um, and I do want to give a shout out again to our friend Helen. Uh, that's uh, Heli L-F-C-X-0-8 on Twitter. Uh, she does a great job of promoting the show. Um, she she really busts her ass and doesn't ask for anything in return except maybe the occasional shout out. So I definitely want to mention her. And uh you know, show her some love because we do appreciate everyone that downloads the podcast and listens to us every week with this uh, amazing banter. And uh, we are all out of time tonight. I want to thank my three guests, Alex, Aiden, Stan. You guys killed it. I love it. Let's do it again soon. Thank you so much. That was great. That sounds good. Awesome. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, a little bit late to the party, Stan. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.